find the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home and laugh behind the baller. Yo, 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 what up, BTB Army? It is Monday, and you know what that means? It's time for another brand new episode of the world-famous Behind the Baller podcast, brought to you in full high-definition sound, courtesy of the Dust Brothers, Miles Davis and Jordan Winter. I am your host, Ben Baller, not Ben Humble, a.k.a. the Washed Lord, a.k.a. the Shank King, a.k.a. the Korean Roy McAvoy, A.K.A. Odesu, who happens to be old boy. What's good, y'all? What is popping? Yes, today is my least favorite day of the week. But hey, what are we going to do? We're going to put in work. You know what I mean? Um, And shit, summer is fucking over, which is the saddest fucking thing. They're already promoting um, Halloween at some grocery stores and at Target and shit like that. And I'm already getting ready for the kids to start school this week because they start school on Wednesday, which happens to be London's birthday. We're going to get into that in a second. I want to start off the show first off by saying, here at BTB, we don't do apologies. We do not do apologies on this show. I think there have been less than two since I began this show, maybe two max, someone can call me out and fact check it, but I'm pretty sure in 300 episodes, there may be two apologies regarding something I've said on this show. And it wouldn't be to somebody I didn't know. Right? You never know what anyone's going through. And I, I understand. I spoke, spoke about that on the show plenty of times. And now I got to give an apology here on the show, to Emily Oberg, who, she says I internet bullied her. (laughs) I'm laughing because it is funny, because I didn't bully her. I stated some facts, and I said what I felt. Now, I spoke to Emily yesterday, and there are some things that we're not going to talk about here on the show. People say, oh, why not? Because I just, we don't get, this ain't the Wendy Williams show. But I spoke to Emily the fact that she even reached out was pretty funny to me. Not funny, but, you know, like, I just was like, fuck it. It is what it is. I'm, you know, it's, I just don't have time for drive-by homies. Now, again, I ain't got to see nobody. I have homies who I ain't seen in fucking 10 years, and we pick up, boom, and we're going to get into that in a second. But they still support, and they know what time it is and all that, and, and we get down, and vice versa. But Emily, um, she's going through a moment. She's going through some... Things and, and people don't necessarily need to talk about that. I'm going to get into that later in the show about how people... On this show, I'm, I'm much more transparent. I'm much more... Not that I'm not transparent on social media. I don't make up stories and stuff. But I... If I see you on the street, you know, or I have a social media friend or whatever, I don't necessarily get into deep things. You know what I mean? We may get into a deep conversation of about fucking anything that's not related to me personally. Um, It could be about fucking cars. It could be about golf. It could be about jewelry. It could be about a business that I used to be in. It could be opinions on music. I rarely discuss politics and I rarely discuss religion. I I just have a stance on that. But I got to say sorry, Emily. I did some immature shit and followed her, right? You know what I mean? She's... We're following each other back again now, right? We're good. But Emily, I love you, and uh, you still got a big-ass forehead. And I'm sorry, and um, I hope everything goes good and and, and is good with you. And now we can carry on to the show. Um, But yeah, the summer's over. And basically, right around London's birthday is when, um, you know, I know when summer's fucking over. And uh, I've already had this story so many times, you know what I mean? Um, I already discussed it here because... You know, um, his birthday would be passed by the time we get into uh, Thursday's episode. But, you know, London is who made me a father for the first time in my life, right? My firstborn son is turning 10 uh, on Wednesday. That is a milestone. And um, we've had a lot of hardships with London health-wise. 
And he is such a unique boy. He's such a soft, kind, emotional, sensitive boy. And he's just unique. That's my first fucking born. You know, I could just think about it like, man, you know, there, there's just something about that. I'm just excited that he's flourishing, truly. And for the last three years, he did not celebrate a birthday because of what's been going on in the world. And, uh, you know, we had a birthday party for him on Saturday and rented out Dave and & Buster's. And uh, first of all, I got to give a big shout out to my boy Popeye Vasquez. He is a, a global marketing director for uh, Dave and & Buster's and he does a lot more than that. He's also my partner in the Wash Lord Invitational. But my man took so good care of us and always does. And, you know, I rep DMB to the fullest, but it's different. My son loves video games. He understands the old school shit. Ryder loves video games. Kaya likes video games. I wouldn't say love because she loves Barbie, but we go there. We have, you know, a party. We have, we have the chocolate cake there. We do our thing. We get to hang out, you know, and this was different. You know, London's last real birthday party consisted of family members, not really classmates and things like that. And, you know, when you go, when you have a kid and they go to school, you know, they, they have different friends, whatever. Sometimes, you know, of course, you're going to have your, your family friends, your cousins around. And people are still, you know, it's, it's tough. A lot of their cousins live in the Bay Area and whatever. But this was the first time he had like 40 kids at his birthday party. And a high majority of those were his classmates who I think during the last couple of years, he's had some troubles, wasn't a popular kid at school. He was popular in the sense that um, we are known to probably donate the most to the school financially, any type of charity work, things like that. My wife is involved as much as she can be. And, um, you know, kids are cruel. Kids are tough. But my son has a best friend. He has like two best friends. And um, one happens to be a girl, which is really cool. And London had his first official big birthday party. Now, his first birthday was obviously gigantic. It was huge. Rented out the fucking whole penthouse at Mr. C Hotel. Spent a fortune on things. You know, his godfather, Q, rest in peace, was there. Totally different situation. What the fuck does he remember at, at age one? His memory's pretty goddamn good. So is writers. But this was the first time we have a party. His friends are there. And they fucking had a blast. And the reason why I'm even talking about this is because... This is why I do this. This is why I do everything in life or why I went so hard, why I grinded, why I fixed my credit, why I decided to stack paper, why I don't give a fuck about certain things anymore, like having 47 watches, which I'm down to fucking 11 now. I'll probably get down to four and I don't even care. You know, the cars, all that stuff. Yo, we got a great crib, cribs. And, um, you know, it's about my family. I go hard for them. And every kid that attended London's birthday was lit. You know, they got a $50 power card, each of them. We had catering, all the kid food shit, you know what I'm saying? Had a fucking nacho bar. It was fucking with Kessel. Shit was so lit. I damn near sat there the whole time and just ate with, you know, family, my sister, and a bunch of other people. And it was just a great time. It was supposed to be three hours from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., we fucked around and stayed till 5.30, then went to Ben and Jerry's, which is in his favorite ice cream, and fucking just fucked it up. I've never seen London that happy. In 10 years of his life, that was like, I mean, first we're coming back from Cabo for five days. He had a great time there. The kids had a great time, but all three of them did. Because Ryder shares some of the same friends. He was able to invite a friend. Kaya has some friends who are related to, you know, London's good friends. Everyone had a fucking blast. Even my mother-in-law, everyone, my, you know, just my family. My mom was in Korea, so she's like jet-lagged. But it was lit. I didn't even fucking play Star Trek and all the other shit that I usually do. Kind of just really just sat back and hosted. And, you know, we had a beautiful fucking cake. We have this Filipino lady who makes the best fucking cakes. She's making cakes for us for like two and a half years or so. She's amazing. She's all the kids' cakes. She's great. 
She just happened to be Filipino. Shout out to Helena Worth Cakes. We've always had great cakes, except for one incident, which I'm going to get into. But um, yeah, it, it was just a great fucking birthday. And what's crazy is he starts school on Wednesday and he's fucking ecstatic about it when these kids don't like school. Kaya's not really, she likes going to school because she wants to see her friends and stuff. But um, they start school on Wednesday and we're like on a later track than anyone else as far as school starts. We did school supply shopping this weekend. It was a fucking shit show going to Target. And I just can't believe, you know, you go to private school, you got to buy all this shit. And I'm like, God damn, shit's over 500 fucking dollars. Paper towels, baby wipes. What the fuck you need baby wipes for? They ain't fucking little big. But, you know, like a whole bunch of shit. Rulers, fucking computer paper, printer, fucking folder. I mean, it's not just like back in the day, you get some pencils, you get a pencil case, whatever. It's a whole different thing because I went to public school, you know? But London is excited to go back to school because he goes back to school on his actual birthday. So, you know, we're going to provide the fucking class with Chick-fil-A. He's going to be treated specially. I think it's like it might be a shortened day. I don't know. But he's super excited to see his friends. I'm sure they're going to be talking about this fucking party that was so wild for them. And they had the best time ever. He got a ton of Robux. So he's like just been fucking floating on cloud nine. Like literally, he's just been, he hasn't stopped, right? And he's up right now, and it's fucking 6 a.m. So shit. But um, yeah, man, it, it just was a fucking great thing. It was a big stress reliever. Cabo to this and going getting ready for school. I've, you know, canceled trips. I'll get into that in a little bit. But you know what? No, we'll get into it now. <laughs> I had to uh, postpone Tokyo a month. I have a few business trips to San Francisco. I haven't been in my place out there. I haven't seen shit. I need to do some checkups. New York, passed up on. My boy Trax NYC is here right now and wants to shoot some content. I have been putting shit off, canceling shit, unless it's related to my kids or it's direct work that I got to finish because I'd rather play golf. And that's one of the biggest reasons why I'm canceling shit. So I've been canceling trips and just basically like, oh, well, fuck it. Okay, well, you know, I'm slimming down the fat. Sometimes the business that you own, priorities you own, they could be called fat. You know what I mean? You need to turn some shit into muscle. And my muscle is the golf. It just ain't, I'm not, my mind ain't, ain't elsewhere except for that. But, um, you know, I'm making money in different places and soon to be making lots of money in golf as well. Hence why I'm going so hard with it. But yeah, man, I, it's just been, uh, you know, I have the next two months booked. I don't have a day free at all. And it's it's evenly split out. My wife is going to fucking Barcelona in uh, less than two weeks, she's going, shit, no, in a week, or, like pretty soon. And I got to take care of the kids for fucking seven or eight days. I obviously have help, but fuck, some shit, you know what I mean? But I had a conversation with a buddy of mine over a golf, and we're talking, and he's going through some tough times. And it seems that a lot of my friends who are between that five to 15-year marriage mark, it's pretty wide range. Where I'm at 10, and I've talked about how tough it is to be relationships, right? And it's like, he's talked to a bunch of his friends, and he's going through a divorce. And he's like, you know what, bro? I don't know who the fuck she is anymore. And I understand that totally and wholeheartedly, right? But he's, he broke down some cold shit. He talked to a few of his friends. He's like, yo, man, you know, his friends obviously know. They filed for divorce, boom. They're going through it. They got two kids. So they're fucking dealing with that. And they're like... uh, we're not far behind from you. And that's what his friends are telling him. Shit, man, we're, you know, shit, it, divorce is just like, it's so easy to say the thing. It's, it's obviously harder to keep the marriage to work. And you think about that, you know, people who say, shit, I want to live to be fucking 50. Fuck that. Stupid people say that shit. Until they live in their 48 and 49 and be like, shit, I want to be 100. You know, some people know when it's time to check out. But what I'm getting at is companionship is so fucking important in life. And I'm an independent loner dude. I eat lunch by myself. I eat dinner by myself. Um, I've spoken about this before. I have not seen a movie by myself. But I do shit. I travel. I'm not tripping. My wife has to have someone around. She just needs certain things that aren't just me. She has to have her friends. She has a group of friends. A lot of them are on the East Coast now. Families in the Bay. So it's like different with me. I'm just self-sufficient. But I do understand how important companionship is. And I always feel like I got something going on because I got my kids. And they, they occupy my time. And you know... Date night's obviously important. I got to work on that. But back to my boy 
and we're talking. And he's like, you know, I've known you longer than I know my wife. I'm like, okay, your, your point being. He's like, bro, we don't talk for four or five years. And regardless, you're still the same dude. And it's over lunch for two hours. And then I'll see you somewhere real quick for like short, you know, minute here and there. But you're still the same dude. Right? If anything, you're just a better person. You're definitely the best version of you I've ever known. And I'm, I'm sure my wife would disagree with him, right? But my wife hasn't known me as long as my friends have, right? And he's like, you know, I go see Biggs. I go see this person. And it's like, yo, bro, we're all the same people. You know, no who's really changing. And then you really wake up one morning and you're like, and it's through a process of time, but you're like, who the fuck, who are you, right? And that's after getting to know somebody for a long fucking time. The point I'm making is people who haven't seen me in 10 years come back and be like, oh, that's Ben. Still fucking Ben. I hear that so fucking much from people. Still fucking Ben. Now, I may evolve financially and other things, and obviously I'm a dad and I'm a husband. And I think some people didn't think that was going to happen, but it has. And my wife has changed me in that part of my, you know, my life. But as far as my personality, I'm still me. Like all day. Come see me in 10 years later, I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to be talking shit. I was talking shit since show and tell Fridays in kindergarten. But there's people who need to change and they don't. And I mean for the better. Even with their personality. And you realize, you know, who you're around. Fake homies. Hanging out with a bunch of homies, going to the club. And then you're kicking it. And some girl has her homies, whatever. And you like a girl. And she's not interested in you. She's interested in your homie. And you got dudes out there that, oh, no, nah, man, he's married or he's this. or Whatever the fuck it is, hating on your boy. And then, you know what? You look fucking stupid hanging out with your boy because you've sit and smiled in his face and you're kicking it and you came together, boom. And it's just a weird thing sometimes. But you're talking shit about your mans. Like, now, change that. Some people stay in that toxic environment. I refuse to. You take one step towards me, I will take two towards you. Sometimes three to four motherfucking five steps towards you. So sometimes when people forget and they start to backstep, I don't wait for the comeback. I'm like, all right, peace, yo. I'm too old. I ain't got that kind of time. So I just want, you know, I dropped game on here. I just want to talk about that. Um, next thing I want to talk about is Andrew Tate. I feel like even Baller Busters is kind of like, they've consumed so much time into doing background checks and, you know, debunking rumors and things like that. And it gets, you know, look, they were moderate anonymous i don't give a fuck how old or how mature they are i know for a fact that they're definitely not as old as i am and they can deny it up and down I'm not saying anything bad about all the busters at all but when they go through due diligence and they went to bat for me gone to bat for other people they've torn down the motherfuckers who are frauds it's not that andrew tate is a fraud he's not apparently from you know all the checks these guys done he just says some wild ass shit and some stupid ass shit in my opinion and whatever. They're more positive about certain things when it comes to someone that they build a relationship with and they have their backs. And they're more like, look, you may disagree on certain opinions, that's fine. But him getting banned from Instagram and Facebook, and of course you just say, oh, I don't really care, blah, blah, whatever. Well, I mean, I'm gonna be real, bro. That, that's gonna hit your pocket, homie. No matter how much money you say you have or whatever and cool, it will because there's a certain amount of, you know, of shit that you know, you want to promote, and if you didn't care about so much, you wouldn't be on there talking, whether it be on podcast, whatever, and you'll have your features here and there, but I, I have confidence that they'll get his account back. It ain't Donald Trump. There's other people saying way more wild shit, and um, I'm gonna get into that in a little bit, actually, but what you guys don't understand of, on behalf of Baller Busters, I'm speaking on behalf of them, I'm just saying where their stance is, is Everyone deserves a platform to say things if they're not violating the rules. And technically, Andrew didn't, Tate didn't violate the rules, right? And what I'm getting at is, if you want to argue about Israel and you're behind Israel, well, right ahead. You want to talk about Palestinians? Go ahead. 
Every side has a right to talk and talk their shit. Crips, bloods, gays, homophobes, whatever the fuck it is. Now, the homophobe part, I guess I wouldn't be because I would be part of hate speech. So that's different. But even a criminal who killed your family member deserves a fair trial. Deserves an attorney. As much as you hate it, okay, and you don't like that, they deserve a motherfucking fair trial with the best attorney they can get to defend themselves and figure it out. It's just how the way the world fucking works, okay? Now, being complicit is a whole other topic, and that's not what I do. I don't side by anybody I don't fuck with. I'm not saying they don't deserve to have that thing. Stay the fuck away from me. I'm not co-signing nobody that's going to fuck with my shit or anything, whatever, boom. Unless it's somebody that I'm actually friends with, a family member that I know, and I know how to handle that, whatever. It's a whole different topic that gets tricky. But what's crazy is you got a lot of people on there. And I think Instagram has a rules where you're not supposed to. They have a thing against guns, just like they have a thing against marijuana, which is crazy because it is legal in so many states. It should be, it's not federally, and I get that. And I think soon it will be. But you got motherfuckers who take this shit way too far. Like some motherfuckers think that they're in a legit Rambo situation. Saw a dude the other day on his page and he has, fuck, 30, 40 guns, which I shouldn't really be talking, but I'm not posting them. Maybe 50,000 rounds of ammo, He's got, and the guns he has are all fully automatic, or I'm sorry, semi-automatic weapons, AR-15s, AK-47s, MP5s, SP5s, crazy shit in there. Shit he's never going to fucking use unless he's going to Desert Storm situation, right? And I know you got to stay ready. You got to protect your house. You should protect your property. But this ain't Red Dawn, motherfucker. This ain't no Red Dawn movie, right? This is real life. And they're saying, yes, it is real life. But you don't understand. You can protect yourself and your home and your family with a shotgun and a handgun. When I see some of these fucking knives, that these fuck you need a machete for? It's just wild as fuck. And just like that type of shit is on Facebook and on Instagram. And they're not banned. And again, Andrew says some dumb shit. I'm just saying the violations. You write up some rules, boom. Some of the rules need to be changed then, right? And people are going to complain about that too. And I'm sure they will. But I'm just saying that all that shit's on there, yet motherfuckers on there, you know, flossing fucking semi-autos and silly shit like this. Who knows if it's real? This dude seems like it's, it's registered. But just like that type of shit is the warning shit that like the dude who shot up everyone in Buffalo, the, but even the crazy older guy who shot everyone in Vegas a few years ago from fucking the Mandalay Bay. It's fucking crazy. And I'm just seeing a ton of arguing. I saw this canine post on my boy D.L. Hewley's page. And there's this black guy who's being, you know, compliant. He's down on the ground. There's nothing he can fucking do. And they get their canine. Now, there could be a backstory. He punched somebody, blah, blah. Look, at the end of the day, if they're telling you, don't move, or what's the fucking word? Not stay down. What the fuck is that goddamn word where they say, um, not show me what the fuck is the word that cops love to use? I'm sure you guys get what I'm trying to say. I'm just people probably yelling into their fucking stereos right now in their cars like, Ben, it's this. But once that dude is stopped and he can't go anywhere, he's on the fucking floor and you got your foot on his ass, you're about to handcuff this motherfucking hog time. These cops sent a canine who's biting and chewing on his fucking leg. These are trained, super trained dogs, right? You don't see the cops telling the fucking dogs to back off, nothing. Now look, I love animals. I have fucking four dogs, right? We've adopted every single fucking one. I didn't go to no store and buy them. There's people on there that were offended and said what I said. You know what? Those fucking pig-ass cops... And there's been some cops in Arkansas that beat the shit out of some dude once they felt like they saw they're on camera. They chilled out. Now they got suspended. Those canines are highly trained. They could have said, hey, stop, pull them off, whatever, and the dog would have stopped. This motherfucker's just eating dude's leg like it's some red lobster. Okay? So I said a comment. I was like, yo, man, 
you know, they're in the hood. I, I said some typical hood shots. Like, I wish that motherfucker had four pit bulls. And them motherfuckers ganged up and fucking ate that canine up. And yeah, I'd be like, then the dogs would have got shot. And da 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 And I hope they fucking bit the police and whatever. And you see that type of shit and whatever. And people are just going, arguing. They didn't understand the sentiment. Look, we're talking about a man's fucking life. Fuck the dogs. Okay? We're talking about a motherfucking dude who was sitting there. Guilty or not, he is compliant. He has sat there and listened to their orders. And the dog's still fucking beating his ass. Fuck that. People mad about my comment don't see the main fucking problem here. I keep seeing these people who fight for dogs and spend time arguing about the well-being of dogs when their own fucking life ain't in order. Talking about puppy mills and all this other shit. Bitch, when the fuck did I mention anything about puppy mills? You guys know what a puppy mill is? Fucking people get these exotic dogs like Shibu Inus and this is way, way fucking before fucking, you know, Dogecoin was popular. Before Dogecoin was founded. You know, teacup, Yorkies, just all kinds of random dogs. And you go to these fucking mall stores that they don't even exist anymore, really. And they have these dogs and they get them from all over the fucking place, from puppy mills that are being bred in this fucking shitty ass area. When they get there, they clean them up, sell them. Don't even realize these dogs have health issues and all this other stuff. That's why people don't realize, guess what? You see all these French bulldogs everywhere? You see these Frenchies all over the place? Guess what? It is a fact. Frenchies' lives, the lifespan of a Frenchie is not long. Super fucking high majority of them have health issues. But I'm not getting into breeding and stuff because if we get into all that, guess what? I know successful breeders and stuff. It's not an easy job. You know, they take care of their dogs as best as possible. They ain't sitting there trying to make the dog fuck 17 times a fucking day. They train them. Treat them fucking better than fucking... They treat, you know, I see people treat their own fucking family and people are mad about that shit. I ain't even bring that up. But let me tell you something. Nothing is more important than a human life, okay? In my eyes, I'm going to ask every one of you guys who fight for dogs and all of this stuff and everything, that's cool, but we're talking about one or the other. If it came down to your son or your mom or your dog and they had to be put down, you had to choose between your mom or your dog, your son or your dog, something like that, Anyone who says they're putting down their family member before they put down their dog, listen, man, it's real simple. Grab some fresh Johnson & Johnson baby powder, apply a liberal amount into your strong hand, and slap yourself. Bitch, ain't nobody talking about no motherfucking dogs like that. Ain't no eye for an eye. It was just like on some fucking... Bully gang up shit. Talking about a fucking canine that was fucking out of control. Fuck is wrong with you, man. Anyways, man. Um, <laughs> that was a little heavy. Sorry. Just want to talk about that, though, because people are just like, they just get into these fucking things. It's like, yo, man, do not see the message here. I remember back in the day, this kid was a nice kid. He borrowed somebody to know what to do. Brought it from a fucking street dude. Dude starts pressuring and paying him back. And there's juice on it. You know? You know, you borrow money on the streets. You ain't getting, you, most people, when you borrow from a real G, loan sharking, it's like 40, 70%, sometimes even more. Oh, you want 50 bands cash? You will get 50 bands cash. You're going to pay back fucking 80, 90,000 of that. You're like, what the fuck? That's crazy. All right, don't loan money, don't borrow money from someone like that. But this kid got his mom involved. And the dude was irritated about that point. He said, bitch, I need my fucking money. Do you understand? Your bitch-ass son owes me money. She just focused on the fact that her son was called bad names and he was yelling. The message is he owes her money. Ain't no nice way to say it at a certain point. People focus on the wrong message because they get blindsided by some stupid shit. That music in the background is to calm you down, by the way. And calm me down. You know what I mean? I'm fired up. I got my anger management class this week. I got to, you know, take care of that. But, yo, that's Lakey Lake right there. And that means that Miles is like, all right, man, you need to calm the fuck down. So we're going to go into a commercial break real quick, which is funny because the commercial is totally is like completely aligned with what I need to do and chill out. So, yeah, I'm going to puff some of this pen real quick and we'll be right back with more BTB. 
And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Taking care of your mind is so important, especially with all the stress that comes with living today. How well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one your entire life? That's how our brains work. So why don't we treat them the same way? How we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps, but there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. BetterHelp therapists have been there for me when I needed them the most. Therapy on demand is a blessing. BetterHelp is an online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You don't got to see anybody in person. Also, it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners here at BTB get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash baller. That's betterhelp.com slash baller. Guys, I use the service myself. Make sure you do too. What's up, y'all? We're back. My boy Thatch is always spitting game and saying the right message. And, and I'm not here to tear him apart about something. It's just funny because he said something about cars. And he's pretty new into cars. And I think he's doing it partially because uh, he loves cars. And um, I don't think he's necessarily into the investment part of it. But, you know, he, he likes cars. I like cars. I'm not crazy about them like I used to be, but I follow the market very heavily because there's always a good money opportunity and I still do own, you know, some heavy cars, right? And he's talking about, do you know why this Lamborghini is so rare, blah, blah, whatever, and why it's so expensive? If you buy this SVJ, you know, depending on your spec, it's going to be about 600 grand, which he's telling you the truth. He's like, but this car is going for like 900 to a million. And you want to know why? Because it's so rare. That applies to the sneaker game, applies to a lot of other shit that's going on in life. It's the same. Lamborghini's marketing is pretty much just copying the sneaker game marketing and all this other bullshit. Look, SVJ isn't that rare. It's cap. For a limited edition numbered car, it has to be the highest numbered limited edition. And it's not even fucking like numbered like that. It just says one of 900 fucking, I don't know the exact number. It's 900 something fucking SVJs. In fact, you know what? Hold on. Fuck that. Miles, we're going to fact check this real quick. 900, I was exactly right. Okay. So the funny thing is, he's right to a certain extent. I follow a few different things. I watch the auctions, everything. They were going for over a million people going, I've never seen anybody pay a million for it. Because you get to see the final sales and it gets around. Especially when I'm talking to brokers, I'm talking to people. And for a point, I won't lie to you, at the high point, I think uh, SVJ Roadster, which is the target top, drop top, whatever you want to call it, their version of a convertible, was going for like nines and so, right? And um, what's funny is the price of those have been dropping. I'm seeing the asking prices going for a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand, maybe even up to two hundred thousand dollars lower, and that's what they're probably selling for. And they're still not moving; they're still out there. You want to go to get SVJ? You could be aggressive, whatever. People could hold. Look, if you're not rich, rich, even people I know who have a lot of money, they don't like seeing shit sit around, especially if it's a house. But an expensive car, you know. Now, if you bought the car at a high premium, shit, bro. Like you know, it's, try to get your money back. Might not be the same. The thing is. That's why you should enjoy your car. There's cars out there that are going to go up high in value. I do not think that car is going to go crazy in the next five, six years. In 20 years, maybe. Because if you see what a Murcielago SV is going for, there's definitely some shit. Now, Lamborghini has milked the Aventura model like no fucking other. They ran that car for 10 years no exotic car, and I've talked about this before briefly, has ever had their flagship model like Lam fucking Ferrari. It's changed every five years. 
You don't see no motherfucking, could you imagine if they had a 458 or whatever and kept that shit going? Or even if it was like their head, if it was like their SF90. They're not going to run the SF90 for fucking 10 years and it's a beautiful car. I own four of them. Okay. What's funny is there's only fucking 700 SVs. Okay. So you want to talk about a fucking, uh, you know, rare. I'm sorry. There's only 600 Lamborghini Aventador SVs. SV went up. I remember when, you know, when I got mine, I remember when Paul got his. And, you know, they were low fours. They paid like four fifteen for his. I paid like right around the same. And I remember trying to sell it and motherfuckers want to offer me three seventy five, blah, blah, whatever. And I think I got rid of my car like right above that. And now, you know, SVs are going probably for like five something, five fifty, whatever it may be. There's less SVs. Now, the SVJ has a little slightly different body kit. Slightly faster. You can make the SV sound the same, have the same motor. And it's just wild. They just did a marketing thing. And it's supposed to be their last one. Right? And it wasn't. They dropped another fucking rare fucking Lambo. Aventador. They did a Xion that's going for fucking $3 million, $3.5 million. They did a Centenario that's $3.5 million. They did a Countach based on the Aventador. And you know what the funny thing is? Guess what? It's a fucking Aventador with the body kit. And they souped it up a little bit more. She so can't really do too much except maybe fuck with the, you know, take off and get down pipes and make it louder. But it's just Lamborghini marketing. Even with the Urus and whatever, they did a great deal. They did shit there. Huracan's going for over. So why am I bringing this up? Car market's going down. Slowly but surely, but it's going to definitely, they're just trying to make the shit go and decline a little bit. One, banks aren't loaning money like they used to. Two, these three hundred to $4,000 cars now that are going for fucking seven, eight hundred, like it ain't worth the money. You ain't going to get your money back. And these people are buying them. They're not, some people are buying them for floss and whatever, but repossessions are at an all-time high, especially in California and in Florida. It's crazy. I'm seeing more cars on the auction block and shit like that. But I see every week, someone's, oh, $5,000 discount here, $10,000. And people are still listing the car for a stupid price. It's like the guy who has some SB dunks that go for like $1,400 and he'll list them for $5,000 because he wants to be like, no, fuck it, because he thinks he's going to get an offer for $3,000. Nah, dog. Everyone knows that corny ass marketing plan. Now, if you got someone who's backing you with long paper, shit, I know dealerships that ain't letting go of their McLaren centers for under one four. They just won't. They'll sit on it until that bitch goes up, whatever. Not a Senna. 500 made. Guess what? Each one is numbered. 918, 918 made. Each one numbered. You turn that motherfucker on, you see in your dashboard, oh, number 420 out of 918. Yeah, you know my fucking Senna's number, 345 spec out of 500. There's spec pages for the super ultimate limited edition hypercars. In McLaren issues, they're called... The ultimate series. People know all this shit. They have the details. They get the fucking spec sheet. I'm like, God damn, I can't even get a spec sheet. I don't fuck, how the fuck you get that? But I'm starting to see these cars that were going for a lot go down. G-Dragons were going for 100,000, 150K. They're down. You want to buy a car? Wait a little bit. If you got the bread, new Range Rover is going for 100K over, and that's a deal? Shit. And there aren't that many because of obviously the production here and there. But I'm going to be real. If you wait around, unless you want to build one, you know, you got to go into the dealership, build one. It takes fucking forever to get it. Some people don't want to wait. So it's like, you know, and then you're not going to get one at retail. That's not how it works. You can't walk into a Ferrari dealership and just buy a Ferrari there. If you want to buy one and order one, it ain't going to happen either. You got to go through a process, you know, you got to buy a used car, buy four or five cars, and then after five cars, you get one for retail. And all the exotic dealerships are kind of doing that. Some of the lower class McLarens and shit, you might be able to get one here and there. But it's just, it's all going to come crashing down because our economy is not built for this shit right now. We're at fucking disaster levels. But I just want to let you guys know that this shit is cap. Lamborghini marketing, Rolex marketing, all that shit. Crazy. So to talk about, oh yeah, shit. Raising Canaan is back. You know I fuck with 50. All the Power Series, fucking crazy. Um, good episode. Definitely good. Not going to do any spoilers, but I'm fucking excited. Raising Canaan was definitely one of the better ones, but 
fuck. Ghost Power Book 2, I think, and then also um, Force. Can't wait for those motherfuckers to come back. That shit's going to be fucking crazy. But the Candy, Raising Candy shit was good. I ain't going to lie to you, especially because it brings back that 90s nostalgia, and it was good. I was waiting for it. I watched the episode twice. Shit was lit. Um, my wife happens to be a giant Game of Thrones fan. She is fucking obsessed. She's watched other episodes. She's been dying for some shit to come out. So this some House of Dragon shit. I've tried three times. I just can't do it. Homicide's a fucking Game of Thrones freak. I don't get into it. But now she's got something to do every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. She's got that shit. She's going fucking crazy. But there's a new TV show that my friend Chrissy Teigen has produced. And it's a Netflix thing. Those untold story documentaries. And they did a really good job at this one. So the show, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, I didn't really know what to expect, whatever. And again, I think I spoke about this a couple weeks ago. I don't really follow college football like that. But when it comes down to like the big players at the end, you know, obviously the Heisman people that like that, whatever, Johnny Manziel and stuff. And this is during that era. This took place in the early 2010s. And then it, it pretty much had ended like around 2013 or something. But uh, it's based upon Monte Teo who is a, uh, I believe, Samoan from Hawaii, and he was fucking, this dude was an animal. Linebacker out of Notre Dame, was fucking supposed to be top three draft pick and all this crazy shit. I'm not going to get too much into it. I'm going to get into any spoilers. But it involves a scandal that happened, and I vaguely remember what happened, and, and his grandmother and his girlfriend died within hours of each other in the same day. To find out later that the girlfriend never existed and the dude was catfished. And it's not really a spoiler. It's just, you got to watch it. It fucked me up. I watched this shit in Cabo and I'm like, whoa, right? There's catfishing and then there's th this shit was a whole different level. Catfishing was kind of just brand new. And you would think that someone at this level, just how hard he, he worked and just his religious beliefs and his family and stuff, it was just crazy. He got duped like a motherfucker. What I didn't appreciate is these bitch-ass journalists who are so fucking thirsty to prove somebody fucking wrong. They'll go through anything to make this dude look bad. And they don't even know everything. They just know that the girlfriend didn't exist. So it paints a bad picture on Monte, right? And the thing is, dude didn't know. And then by the time he did, fuck's he supposed to do because he still was motivated to play on behalf of the death of his girl that he thought was existed whether he's being catfish or not and the death of his grandmother and these journalists go so fucking deep to try to find a story and fucking prove espn all these these other big you know names wrong and the company is deadline right small media company and it's just whack as fuck that they painted this fucked up picture for dude and it actually affected his draft pick, you know, how he was drafted, everything else. And it fucked up his mental. It fucked up a lot of shit. He wasn't ready for all that. And I highly, highly recommend this doc. It's two hours, two episodes, hour each. The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist on Netflix only is crazy. And it just got me thinking, like, why are human beings so addicted to thinking that people are lying? Now, okay, you could find out. You know, Pollard Busters, they do it. People are addicted to it. I think it's funny when they, you know, they catch people here and there. But in general, for people who don't do any homework, do not do any background check, do not do due diligence anyway, which way? They just immediately say, oh, fuck, I heard this, I heard this, boom. And rumors are spread. It's crazy. People think I'm lying about my golf game. I never said I was good. To some people, it is. That's really, really good because it's better than they're doing. Guess what, fuckos? I have a lot of help from some of the best on the earth. Again, access. Spoke about it last week. Access. Networking. Bartering. 30 years to get to a place where I'm at. Some people get at a young age, whatever. Some people are just naturally gifted with golf. I wasn't naturally gifted with that. Am I an athlete? I definitely was at one point. Getting back in this, I'm just addicted to it. Never once did I say, oh, I'm good at this, I'm good at this. I could say, oh, man, you know what? I got this score here. Boom, I didn't feel like I liked it. Like, oh, you're so fucking, you're cocky, you fucking bragging shit, whatever. No, motherfucker. I deep inside know I could do better. 
So that's why I'm telling you. Just because you don't fucking play good. Maybe if you practice more. Maybe if you grind more. Maybe if you got a coach. It's pretty simple. Pretty easy. It's not an easy game. People think immediately. Other people are lying. I'm a personal person. Catch me on the right day. I'll have a conversation about something. Spoke about that before. But I don't have deep conversations about my personal life with people I don't know. Fans, followers, random people, even acquaintances. I try to avoid any sort of deep personal information about my life. I don't talk about my assets, what I make. I talk about anything like that. I don't even talk about certain things about my family. I might bring up London's respiratory health situation if I see a similar story. But don't get confused, right? Someone that I'm talking to for an hour that I don't know, please believe it's about sports, maybe about business or some other shit. That don't mean I'm sitting there talking and putting my life out there, right? I can differentiate personal private stories that I only speak about with super close friends or family and separate that totally with chatting with acquaintances and then separate that talking with followers and fans that I've never met before, right? I keep that light when we go on live, whatever, okay? I could talk about some personal deep experiences, chicks I did certain things. You know, I'll talk about random shit here and there, and boom, I don't really give a fuck about this, or I dated X here. But we ain't gonna get into no super details, right? Trust is an issue, and people don't understand that. I give the trust pretty much immediately. I meet somebody, boom, trust. I'm like, all right, cool. Met this person to another person. You know, you go by off a cosign here. As soon as that person fucks up, trust is gone. Other people, they make people work three months, six months, three years, four years to build trust. Now, for some simple access to certain things, look, you could push that person away or whatever, but, you know, you should be able to tell right then and there if that person's full of shit. It shouldn't take that long. All right? Trust is an issue. Misconstruing words, misinterpreting information is another issue. You guys have to sit there and do your own fucking research, right? People call you a liar if you throw them a curveball, right? Are you a liar if you throw somebody a curveball because you don't want them to know about personal information? It's like that movie Notting Hill when fucking Julia Roberts is dating Hugh fucking Grant and he doesn't want this fuck her co-star of the show to know about her personal life because she wants to keep her personal life private. And he's like, oh, I saw some guy visiting you on set. Are you dating that person? He goes, oh, I don't even know. It's just a friend from the past. And Hugh Grant's listening on the headphones and he got butt hurt and he left. He's like, fuck this. I can't deal with any more heartbreak. Boom. Just a regular old chap. And she has to tell him, you think I'm going to tell this dude who's just actors the fucking gossip on here and there but my personal life? I throw curveballs all the time. And what happens when you throw a curveball in baseball? That motherfucker still goes strike. You know what I'm saying? Especially most of the time, you know, if the pitcher wanted to, you don't get a motherfucking strike, right? You didn't think the ball was coming your way. Looked like it was going out of your way. All right, look, you are not a liar. If you throw somebody a curveball, no matter what people say, oh, they didn't say, no, they didn't want you to know their fucking business, okay? No, I don't know you. Why the fuck would I tell you some personal shit about my life, right? I think humans should understand, like, an adult should know the difference between right and wrong. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't lie, right? There's a fucking red light. Should you run the red light? Well, it's up to you. It's risky. But yeah, you shouldn't. Go wash your ass. Drink some water. Brush your teeth three times a day. Two times a day at least. Okay? Get eight hours of sleep. People as adults choose what they want to do in their lives. Okay? Some motherfuckers don't wash their ass. Some people don't drink enough water in a day. Some people don't get enough sleep. Adults ignore shit all the time. I do it. Right? Except the hygiene part. It all catches up. I promise you. But it's just something I want to talk about. Definitely watch that show. The girlfriend who didn't exist. It's just fucking crazy, man. And it just, it's like, we live in a capitalist society. And 
journalists don't get paid enough unless they go get a, a best-selling book or whatever. But it's like even TMZ, they're trying to get the best tea, the best story, the best. They want to expose something, whatever it be, Hollywood gossip. And they they definitely do their fact-checking because Harvey Levin's a fucking attorney, wants to make sure. But sometimes people go so fucking far, try to fuck with you. I don't think people understand who don't live in Los Angeles. They don't understand how crazy paparazzi shit is out here. I'm talking about worse than that Princess Diana shit that killed her. People say how it's worse than killing her because there's two thousand psychos like that in Hollywood that just drive around chase celebrities and just want to get a picture because they can get that and it's just it's a fucking crazy bit I have, I have a homie who's a paparazzi photographer somehow some ways everywhere and he's like yo if I don't work I don't eat and whatever it's like alright dude that's, that's your hustle cool it's fucking couldn't be my life I'm not trying to fucking say anything about dude but yeah man of course I played some golf it was my first round official 18 holes in well over a week. It's probably like 10, 12 days since I, you know. So I hit some balls on Friday. London had his golf, uh, for his golf team practice. Not with Ron, just had a golf team practice and uh, London's team won. That was another thing that put him in fucking cloud nine. So he has Cabo, comes back, takes a week off golf and um, does well, his team wins. He's fucking super hyped, that has his birthday party and London's getting good. I posted on stories when he was in Cabo. He's, he's getting a little nice, little decent swing. Can't swing it far, but he's, he's doing all right. But uh, I played yesterday at Braemar Country Club with my boy Koch. Koch is an attorney. He's been playing for like 15 years. He's taking years off here and there. He's a really busy man, successful dude. And he's a member of the country club. And I was like, yo, dude, fuck, he's been asking me for a while to go play. I was like, let's go play. The weather was actually pretty decent. It was like mid-70s until we got to like the turn and it got getting to the 80s into the high 80s when I left. I was sweating like a motherfucker. And the crazy part is, I swung some clubs on Friday. Saturday, I probably swung, I hit 50 balls at the range just to get the motion right. And I get on the course yesterday and I shot an 87, which ties my best score ever. At a tough course, narrow fairways. And I just felt off. I don't know what it was. Felt like I could have shot an 82. I could have shot better. Could have broke that easily. And it's all focus. It's all mental. There's so many different things. The sequence of when you're setting up your shot to hit a ball. So many different fucking things. I'm going to get too deep into it. But shit, 87 is a great fucking score. I'm just bummed out because I know I'm going to get better. And I'm fucking looking forward to this uh, celebrity golf tournament I'm playing on next Monday with uh, DeAndre Wilder. Deontay Wilder, sorry. And uh, French Montana, Byron Scott, a bunch of other random people are playing celebrity thing. And I'm going to have fun. We're going to go out there and fucking have fun. It's for scrambles. We're really going to have fun. Put on a cool outfit or some shit. But I'm about to get that motherfucking golf and I'm playing Sherwood this week. Another really, really nice country club. Probably one of the nicest country clubs in, in LA County. Um, I'm just getting this golf shit in. So um, what else? Oh yeah, shit. LeBron James hit Seattle to play this pro-am um, league. It's been famous in Seattle called Crossover. Um, C-R-A-W-S-O-V-E-R. Jordan Miles, I don't, I don't know who the fuck, uh, I forgot the dude's name that fucking runs it, but, you know, he's been talking about coming to Seattle. People fucking, you know, love fucking LeBron. And kids slept outside the fucking arena to see this dude. It was crazy. And, you know, Back in the day, 2003, 2002, I remember my boy, Mr. Cartoon was doing a Nike campaign because he has, he had like four or five shoes that came out. And he did a, a little small, little commercial with LeBron. And LeBron had told people that Mr. Cartoon did his tattoos and he didn't. And he told me, he goes, yo, bro, I don't know much about basketball, you know, watching here and there, but this dude stayed for two hours after we stopped filming to play with these kids. At that point, I didn't really care much about LeBron. I wasn't really tripping, so I didn't really hate dude until that whole situation with Liam Cleveland and some other stuff I didn't like about him. But it's hard to hate dude. You know what I mean? Because he's always out there doing the shit that more people at his level wouldn't do. And he's come out with some crazy documentary on the USA basketball team. There was some footage from this Jay-Z Rockefeller. Um, forgot who the fuck they are playing. Was it, was it fucking Rough Riders or some shit? Basketball at fucking the Rucker. 
And there's crazy footage that I'm watching. And I can't wait for this shit to come out with this USA basketball shit. This Lakers shit looks crazy too, by the way. But I don't like LeBron, right? I'm just saying it's hard to hate him. I don't like him. I'm sure it's closer than I ever expected that we're going to cross paths in like an intimate fucking setting somewhere. I'm I'm not going to try to be fucking nice. I'm not going to be rude. I'm just, I'll be short. My my man, um, Cuffs the Legend, who I've been on his podcast. He's one of LeBron's good friends. He went out to Seattle and showed me some footage I didn't see on the internet. I didn't see on the on Instagram. It's fucking crazy. You know what I mean? My man is old. He just re-signed with the Lakers for a shit ton of money. So I'm assuming they're going to try to sign Bronny. I don't know about that one. I mean, dude's definitely not LaMelo. And we'll see what happens. Who knows from, from now in the next two years. But speaking of Seattle, Seahawks um, played like shit on Thursday. It was fucking embarrassing. It's fucking terrible. And um, Drew Locke was supposed to start. He got COVID. Now he's back. He's going to play this Cowboys game. Look, guys, I don't expect much from this season. I just think that there's a high possibility that we, we surprise people. And again, you have to understand this. I really don't expect to see what I think the season is going to come from by watching the preseason ever. What I don't understand is why sports commentators I wouldn't even say good ones, but just they just they watch like big Seattle fans who watch everything. Like, oh man, I think we're gonna lose every game. I can't see you know us winning anything. There's no like and look, when the fuck bro, Pete Carroll is running shit out there. He don't even know who the fuck started. This shit's like some random shit. When it comes to game one versus the Broncos, you're gonna see what the fuck is gonna happen. It's gonna be different than what you're seeing out there. He's giving motherfuckers looks. Ain't nobody really playing. You see the Lakers preseason shit? It's terrible. It's like summer league in motherfucking Vegas, NBA. Come on, man. They're just testing shit out. I literally don't understand why people don't get that concept. But I'm excited to fucking go back out there. I'm excited to go play golf with some BTB Army members. Shit. I'm gonna lock down the date. For the super follower foursome, we ain't doing no scramble. I'm going to pick three people from my Twitter super followers who play golf in L.A. County to go play somewhere, probably somewhere chill, and we're going to play golf for real. And yes, you motherfuckers are going to pay for your own round, but we're going to play. You know, we're going to kick it. That's going to be fucking four or five hours, and we're going to have a good time. And, you know, I'm going to get to know some of you people, and uh, maybe we have some shit to talk about. Maybe we don't, but it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. And the funny thing is, I'm outside. Had another dude, some random ass weirdo. was like, you definitely got to hit that 260 or 250. Bro, easy. Just come out and see me hit a ball. But since you're talking shit, put 5,000, put 1,000 bucks up. Oh, can't want you fly. Shut the fuck up, bro. Sounds stupid as fuck. I would never make a claim when it's out there on the internet and I'm out playing courses, people will see it, and they'll say, oh, boom, I don't care about what you guys think about my swing, whatever else. I'm talking about the consistency, my course management, how I'm able to get, you know, to be able to break 90, to be able to break 100, to not fucking shit the bed that bad. Driving the ball that far is not that difficult. I don't find it to be. I turn my hips good, you know what I'm saying? I know how to hit my shit. I know how to hit the sweet spot. The timing is right. I'm getting it better and getting into the plane. All that shit. But yeah, so we have some super follower shit. Foursome golf's going to happen soon. Inside the next two weeks, I'm doing that. Dave and Buster's is going to happen right after that. Probably do LA first, then do the Bay. Fuck, October would be tough. Try to run it in September, and then I'm going to do New York sometime in November because I'm going to be out there for the Israel Adesanya fight. So if you haven't hit the super follower button on Twitter, then you might want to do it. It's only fucking $3 a month. It ain't shit. But shout out to my little homie Taro. He runs those golf wing pages and everything else. Cool dude from fucking the Central California. He's from, from um, Central Valley from Fresno area. Good kid. He was interviewed on here. He um, sent me some of his Taro gear. It's pretty cool. My kids like it. I'm sitting there fucking. I'm, I'm definitely going to post some shit because I appreciate it. But yeah, guys, uh, that's it. Oh, by the way, the ink is literally still drying on this fucking major studio deal. I cannot wait to announce it again. It is going to change the game. It's going to change, hopefully, like so many things because there's so many interviews and things that I've been waiting up on 
to get on here. But I do have some people I want to bring on the show. I talked to my sister about it because a lot of people, you guys are interested about it. And she's more successful than I am. Get my sister on the show. There's a couple other business people I want to get back on here and, um, and all that. But guys, listen, man, have a great fucking week. Make it a great week. Make it a great day. Look, man, be a better person you were today than you were yesterday. Try to be a better person this week than you were last week. It's simple. Okay? This is not your practice life. I love you guys. Hit that subscribe button. Keep telling people about the show. It's only to get better and better. All right, y'all. I am out of here. My man Lakey Lake in the background. I love y'all. Peace. Peace.